0: Hello, and happy Tuesday, my friends. I'm Emily San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion unfiltered episode, a Cisco Champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have super casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. Don't forget, if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to us. All right, today we are talking about something we all have. Our home networks and in particular we are going to talk about security we'll be diving into exactly why you should care and how to make sure your home network is secure from those bad actors all right we're gonna get to meeting our panel of champs we're gonna go around introduce ourselves and tell us how big or small your home network is <laughs> um remember, we're gonna start with you who are you my friend Okay,
1: thank you, Emily. Uh, my name is Amr Nasher, and I'm managing director for Cisco partner uh, called Tawassul, based in Saudi Arabia, which focuses more into collaboration solutions from Cisco. And my Twitter handle is uh, amrnasher. And this is my sixth year as Cisco champions. And I have around 20 devices in my network.
0: Okay, nice. See you,
2: well, my, my name is Siebrand Beuker I'm owner of Three Corners, and we uh, we mainly focus on uh, Cisco uh, collaboration portfolio and webex. And um, because we are uh, kind of a st- top of stack application, we hit uh, quite a lot of quite a range of other technologies uh, in, the, in the in the space. My my Twitter handle is at uh, Siebrand B, and you can also find me on on LinkedIn. We're talking about um, the number of devices connected to my home network. I just counted it, and it's about 65. Uh It's wow. really cost because also my uh, my home network is also my home lab, uh, in which we do uh, quite a lot of experience. So I've got uh, f- f- VMware installed. I've got quite a lot of cameras. I've got l- quite a lot of IoT devices, um, which I think means, which needs attention, of course, and uh, quite a lot of... And, and my household is containing five people, so that may also makes sense if you count five people, approximately three to four devices per person. Um We'll we we'll hit the number quite quick. So. Um.
0: All right. Okay. So Sebring's in the lead here. <laughs> Liam, thank you for joining us. What do you do when you're not jumping into podcasts at the last minute? Uh,
3: well, I'm a professional podcaster. No, uh, you are. So... You carry
0: your equipment with you. <laughs> I would say I that qualifies you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my name is Liam Keegan. Uh, I am a. Uh, I run the U.S. operations of uh, 24/7 Networks, uh, Rio Bravo. Uh, my background is more on the, the the technical side, so I've been a solutions architect, CCIE, for a long time. Uh, my uh, home network, this this should tell you uh, what I think about it. I have no idea how much is on there.
1: And okay. uh, all I
3: know is that if it doesn't work, my kids and wife scream. So that's
1: that's
0: that's
3: where I'm coming from. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Liam J. Keegan uh, or LinkedIn.
0: We're the same. I have no idea how many devices I have on our network. Not my department here. so There you go. All right, DJ, last but not least, my friend, tell us about yourself.
4: Hi, my name is Gert-Jan de Boer, uh, DJ in short, because my name is unpronounceable.
0: It is, we just can't do it. (laughs) 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 So thank you for giving me an alternative.
4: (laughs) So my job is, uh, I'm the co-owner and CTO of Azu, a Dutch value-added reseller focusing on networking and security. And my home network is uh, a little smaller than uh, Sebrin's, it's about 62 machines
3: yeah one <laughs> <laughs> Inter all all partners today all all, uh, all all partner owners actually. All
0: partners and we're all friends.
3: love it, oh yes.
2: okay,
0: Definitely. DJ. So this topic was your idea. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's gonna be a fantastic conversation. but can you tell us what inspired this? Oh, yes, I can.
4: So up until a few years ago, my home network was pretty simple. It just contained a firewall, some access points, and uh, everything was working. Uh, Didn't think too much of it. And then about two and a half years ago, uh, we had an incident at home. Uh, My wife received a text message that uh, uh, she didn't pay her phone bills, and they conveniently provided a link to click on. And it seemed to open her banking account. So when she clicked on that link, uh, they gained access to our banking account, which was also connected to my, uh, business accounts and everything that was on there. Ooh. And they took about 2,500 euros from our personal savings account. Uh, which I immediately noticed because our app has this, uh, great option to alert you when some uh, when an amount gets withdrawn. Yeah. So we blocked uh, blocked it and found out that somebody had activated a secondary, uh, device, uh, as a payment device uh, and they were using that and they even used it to, uh, order new bank cards for my business account, which we ended up blocking. So that whole experience, well, in the end it didn't cost us anything because the bank they refunded us it still it made me think about the security of our home network because in my job it's my it's my job to protect people from exactly this kind of stuff and why don't i do it at home
0: well just know dj i invested that money so it <laughs> went to good use <laughs> it's <Emily's> amy <laughs> retirement fund <laughs> yeah.
2: but then you got lucky uh that um, the bank refunded uh, the amount, because that's that's not normal, right?
4: It is. It, yeah, it's, uh, it's not normal. Uh, it's uh, if it, only if you can prove that uh, there's reasonable doubt and that they should have done more to protect your money. So uh, it's a little divergent from the topic, but uh, you, usually when you activate an extra account or an extra device in your banking account, your uh, bank has to ask for uh, some verification steps. Uh, and in this case, uh, two of the steps were they didn't. They only needed the mobile pin which you also used to log into the, to the app. And they skipped the part where you have to physically log in to the internet banking app using a computer. And because it's my job, I could do some forensic anal- analysis on uh, her phone and I could prove that that didn't happen. And the bank couldn't disprove it, so they refunded us.
3: Okay. Wow. Lucky you. That's yeah. To know. <laughs> you you had to be like really happy when that happened. <laughs> yeah, I you're was. Like, ha! You don't know who's on the other end of the phone. <laughs> you yep. don't know who you're dealing with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a particular set of skills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: um, it,
2: it it's not my it's not my story. It's it's a story of my my brother. They I think it's a few weeks ago, so it's it's pretty recent. They, they got a phone call from the bank. Oh. Um, for some reason they and that that that's I think that's that's kind of scary is that for some reason, the people behind such a phone calls uh, know quite a lot of you. Uh, they know your family, they know your name, they know your, they know your, your your wife's name, and they even know, for example, the last digits of your bank account. So they really know that detailed stuff and that's that's kind of scary. Because oh, interest that that makes you wonder how do they uh, how do they know this kind of of, of little details uh, and we all know we're on social media so they so they can kind of figure figure things out but if they also can figure out your bank account uh, which is it really made sense um, that that makes you wonder. So how how do they get that? Is that because they they've searched it, but maybe they uh, you already got hacked on the site where you're in uh, for on my on my uh, online shop, um, uh, or maybe in your in your home uh, environment that they kind of get got access uh, to your environment. Uh, so that's uh, of course my my brother uh, got suspicious and and he hung up. So nothing 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 uh, happened. But it it really makes you wonder how do they get all that information? Data leaks. Data <laughs> leaks. Yeah, really? Yep.
4: that's where they get it. That's why there's this uh, huge uh, merchandise of data leaks on the dark web. Because what they do, they uh, buy several sets of data leaks and they combine the information. They uh, use uh, tools like even tools uh, security analysts use, like uh, Maltego, that can s- summarize uh, information about people and combi- uh, combine information. So they wow. they really target people.
0: So there's like records, and then as as like as these bad actors get more information on people, they just add to your record, and then they get a bigger picture, and they can do things with that. So when yep. I get those prompts to change my password because I've been in a data breach, I should probably do that. Because I'm like, ah, it's probably fine. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what, what are they gonna take my five dollars?
1: <laughs>
0: there's a really well, good way for people
3: yeah. not to steal from you and that's not to have any
1: money yeah, exactly. <laughs> like i have a story when i heard the story like it was like last year for one guy got one guy here he was he applied on a job on linkedin and then guys called him like two weeks back two weeks after that they called him and they did a full interview with him on the phone for 30 minutes they ask him everything they ask his uh qualification they ask him even personal questions regarding his job and uh, the, he says that the guy on the phone he was very professional like he knows he, he was like talking very good and then at the end of the interview they just asked him his national id that's all they ask him for his national id um because they said they need to to register him he says uh, um to give him the second interview and everything they just ask him for the national id he gave him his national ID. Ten ten minutes after that, he got a message that your uh, loan has been approved. They got a loan for five thousand dollar.
0: So they were <laughs> they, they were conflict. literally applying for a loan yeah. as they're interviewing this person. Wow, yeah. so creative.
1: So now they had there is a lot of <laughs> ways to to worry from I, Amy's
3: leave. Like, oh, that's interesting. And really, she's like the criminal mastermind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say
2: but in essence you mentioned it's um, it's data leakage should for example a bank or a kind of a government or whoever uh, because if, if they know we should also be know be able to know if if my data is is leaked accessible by by someone so they can at least do something about it how should that work yeah
4: that's kind of a gray area because What you're basically asking is should the government look at all the leaked data on the dark web and browse through it to see if your data is in
2: there. So how should that work? Maybe a bank could be doing their part of making sure that uh, no bank records or bank details are kind of shared on the dark web for their own customers.
4: I know some of them do already. They look actively on the dark web and scan for, uh, example, for account numbers or stuff like that. But yeah, that's it's an interesting topic, and it uh, a lot of the stuff is isn't even in your own control, right? Because when you buy something in a web shop, you don't have any control on uh, how they store the data, where they store nope. it, uh, how long they keep it. It's, uh, I recently got a notification from a company I did the business with five years ago. And they told me my data was leaked. There was no, no important data there, but the my email address, my password was leaked. Well, those are all unique in my case, but there it's five year
3: old data. Why should you keep it? But, but I think that's like a you know coming back to sort of the 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 original topic and the, the thing. I mean, you mentioned that that password for them was unique, right? And it's like, yeah. what's one of the most important things that you can do? I think is to have. You know, some sort of password manager where you don't share passwords. I mean, if, yep. if you know, network or not, if you have good password hygiene, I mean, that's going to take care of so much of it. Because then you can't, oh, I, I know this one piece of information. I know Amr's, you know, utility bill. Well, let me go get into his banking. I mean, that, that shuts that down pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I
0: have some passwords that are like I've had for the past 20 years. You know, and that's probably not a good idea. I was actually just introduced to Cryptical and it generates these really complex passwords for you and
1: mm-hmm. it
0: manages it. So th- I've just started using that for some of my online accounts. Do you, have you guys used that at all?
4: Uh, well, we use uh, uh Foldwarden in our home, which is an open source implementation of uh Bitwarden. So it's a, it's a password manager that you can run uh self-hosted within your own home network.
0: Okay. So another reason to make sure your home network is secure. Definitely, (laughs) yeah.
2: Well, I I just use the uh, the uh, the uh, built-in Macintosh uh, password generator and store it in iCloud. So that's.
1: Oh okay. Amr, what do you use? Same, I think, on uh, for. uh, But sometimes I I don't have a very good experience with that, so sometimes I just use my own passwords. Got it. Yeah, I I just
3: want to like I pay whatever it is for LastPass, which seems to work. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Perfect.
3: Perfectly fine.
2: But in essence, we're not referring to external tools, right? Uh, for example, a Chrome is also a built-in password storage and password manager. And I think Safari is the same and Microsoft Edge uh, as also. Uh, is, is that is a that safe one to use? Or should we always use an external tool?
4: Well, they're a big uh, target because they're used heavily and they also, they always ask you to save your password. So yeah. a lot of people tend to click on it it's yes even I, I i don't use it but sometimes i get uh surprised by the message and i click on it and i think well i shouldn't have done that <laughs>
2: <laughs> too late <laughs> yeah
4: so i i feel i i don't know if they're actively uh vulnerable but i feel that like they're such a huge target that there are most probably bad actors out there that are hunting for it
3: so so, so- So going back to the story about your wife getting fished for the 2,500 euros. So I'm really curious after that happened, what did you, what did you do? What changes did you make to, you know, improve sort of your personal security? Well, I
4: I don't think you can call my home network a home network anymore because it it was already It has its own
3: maintenance contracts. (laughs) Almost.
4: Now, it already had segmented uh, uh, networks for IoT and stuff like that. So I already thought about that. Uh, but all our devices were unmanaged. Now, there's no device anymore in my network, uh, except for in the guest network, that's uh, not managed by an MDM. Uh, so all the phones, all the uh, laptops, all the tablets, they're all in an MDM. And
3: what, what MDM do you use?
4: I use the Meraki one. Oh, okay, okay. So... Uh, every application that's on those devices gets pushed by the MDM, and nothing else gets on it. Then next to it, I use Cisco Secure Endpoint because I'm mm-hmm. a partner, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I can get it for cheap. Yep. Uh, so uh, all the devices run as a Secure Endpoint, and for DNS protection, I installed Umbrella and the roaming clients on all the devices.
2: But but yeah, but indeed to circle back on your question, Liam. All those controls you now installed, do they prevent what happened to you?
4: Not for one hundred percent, but the uh, the phishing URL that uh, was used in that attack uh, was already recognized by Umbrella, and that was the first thing I checked after we uh, we uh, got phished. The URL mm-hmm. was already known in Umbrella, and was would have been blocked if we would would have been using that. So yes. I I work in security. I know you're never one hundred percent sure, and uh, a lot of the things also happen outside of the home network. So uh, there's less protection there when you're on four G and stuff like that.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
4: which
3: is why I use Umbrella,
4: but that's not really a home product.
3: Well, but 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 it, it, it can be if you just use the the open. I mean, because you don't actually technically need a license to use Open DNS. You just point your DNS servers at the at the public IPs. I mean, obviously you don't get the reporting and yeah. the categorization and things like that. But but the, correct me if I'm wrong. Umbrella includes all of the malware and command and control for like the botnet protection yeah. by default. Like there's no way to disable that, correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it Does
4: it include phishing as well? Uh, I'm not sure if it does. I know there's a category for it, but yeah. I'm not sure if it blocks it by default. But yeah, it blocks most of the dangerous you also already, if you use the public access.
2: Okay. So I, uh, so I, a, a very, very quick win for almost all home, uh, networks would be to introduce just the open DNS. Yeah. That's really a quick win. Yep. You only need to figure out how to make sure you can change your DNS service settings on your home appliance or whatever you use.
4: Yeah. And that's also the thing, like the, all the Android devices, they. Uh, want to use the Google DNS, uh, which also should have some protections in it, but they they bypass all the DNS settings you provide them, so uh, they will always try to use their own. Uh, and the same goes for all the devices that use the DNS over HTTPS.
1: Well, I'm not a security guy. Uh, what do you, you guys recommend, like, starting, like, like, I have a smart network, or some starting points that he needs to focus what's the first step that DNS to umbrella the free umbrella or which which one that he can build his um, how what's the steps that he needs to take to build his security
4: so I think starting out with open DNS public servers is a really great start and then also make sure that you run uh, some kind of anti-malware or uh, antivirus application on every device you own like uh, even for your phones, there's great free software available in the, in the Play Store. So, but make sure that there's something that's checking what's running on your phone.
2: Okay. But that's, that's, that's new to me. You normally focus on malware and un- anti ant- antivirus on your laptop, not on your smartphone. At least I'm not.
4: Yes. But the, the whole thing with phishing is that it works really great on your phone. So uh, one, of, one of the things. One of the things you can't do on a on a laptop is by default open something that looks like an application. So you can't open a, a screen in a full screen without any borders or uh, filling your whole screen. If you have a URL that opens a, a, a site that looks like a banking app, it would fill your whole screen on the on the phone, and it would actually look like your banking app. There's no way to distinguish it. There's no there's no border, there's no uh, address bar. You can't see you're on a website if you look at the screen. So it's really easy to trick people.
0: What about the text messages? Like this one I just I, I got a few days ago. It says, We have restricted your account secure here immediately. It's referring to Amazon. And it gives me a link. And I'm like, okay, let me click through this and like enter my my username and password
4: <laughs> No, don't do that. <laughs> it's probably
0: legit. No, I didn't do it, but still. Like th- I mean that's that's another thing you experience on your mobile device. <laughs> yeah, so
4: one one of the great things that Android does and that Google does with Android is that they use uh, they have a database of uh, phone numbers that they know that are malicious. Oh. So when you receive a text message, you can report it. Uh, yeah. You can set it to block and report, and it will upload it, and after it sees it a couple of times, it will be automatically blocked and moved to a different folder, and you'll get a message on your phone that you received a text message, but that Google automatically marked it as uh, malicious and moved it to a specific folder. So you, if you want to look at it, you need to go to that specific folder.
1: And th- th-
0: How come Apple doesn't do that?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: but the, the nice thing that we, we are in technology we know all these things however think about like um, two months back or three months back my, my father was calling me please can you update my, my information on my account he says okay what do you need to update my father is more than 75 years old mm-hmm. and he he's not a technology guy he's an accountant so why do you need that he says I got a message update your account okay don't click on that <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, and that's the that's the tough part is, you know, know, even being remotely connected to IT, you you just sort of have this awareness of what is real and what is not. But but for everybody else, it's like, I mean, home network or not, it's sort of like all of these attack vectors are coming at people all day long. And it's just a question of, you know, know, maybe one in a thousand gets through, but that's all they need to make it profitable. Right. So, you know, I mean, you know, what? How do, we, how do we help people understand what they need to do? I mean, I think for me, it's a couple of things. It's like, how do you keep your devices updated, right? Yeah. Like from the menu, not from a text message that asks you, right? Run some sort of antivirus. I mean, anything that you can get. I mean, there's AVG and Avast that are free, you know, or like, you know, they're free plus. Um, and then you know, go to OpenDNS and and follow the instructions to to set up you know the the DNS servers on your router. It's like a, a few things I think can go a really long way. But then there's also the human element where it's like if if somebody says, "Hey, I've been kidnapped. I need a ransom," or "I'm in jail," or you know, you know this is Chase Bank calling. Like mm-hmm. you just have to. I, Zero I think trust, the, trust no yeah, one. <laughs> trust no one. But I also think that like. Anytime you are set up, like, where, where you're asked to do something immediately, I need this done now, 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 you know, I'm going to yeah. call the police now, it's like you, you almost have to have, like, the presence of mind to put down whatever device it is that you're getting communicated with and, like, sit on it for 24 hours because nobody's going to call the cops on you. Nobody's going to show up. nobody. You know you know what I mean? Like, the electrical company is not going to shut off your service, you know, because of a billing mistake right now. And, and I think that, that that, like, false sense of urgency is when – Or that that manufactured sense of urgency is when people do dumb things right and and not not because of their fault it's just because of it's just what happens
0: human nature
3: human nature yeah
4: yeah i also think it's uh because people they they want to trust other people it's like in our nature to easily trust other people
0: (laughs) no no
2: (laughs) no but you trust us right emily
0: Please. (laughs) You got to earn that trust. Everybody Ah, starts with zero trust and then you earn it over time.
4: A couple of years ago, I did a certified ethical hacker training for Mm -hmm. a week in a building. And every morning I came in, I social engineered my way in. So the the training was on the fifth floor of a building that was secured with an access system uh you need a you needed a key to get in from the outside and you needed a badge to you uh to go through all the internal doors and every single day i would be in the canteen drinking a coffee when the trainer came in and he's like how did you do that it's just by walking in after somebody else
0: yeah, yeah
3: with, with a ladder and or a, a vest, vest. <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> or a bar, so yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: But but the other way around is should we uh, Emily is 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 laughing about zero trust but that's obviously doesn't really <laughs> kind of make sense but not totally um, we are social animals right we we like to trust each other we like to um, know well we 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 like to be loved and and, and help each other so that's I think that's that, that's that what what Kajan mentioned is kind of part of our nature but when when you get a WhatsApp WhatsApp message from your Daughter or son or friend asking for money. How come that quite a lot of people transfer money just, just based on a message? Yep. Because it's very easy just to call them. Yep. Right? How come? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know.
0: I think that might be generational. I think for us, we would pick up a phone and call and confirm. But I Are think. Are you calling for... us
2: old? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'm dropping yeah, myself in with you guys, so but I think I think the younger generation they prefer to text, so. And so
1: that's why most of the messages, then they don't ask for money; they just ask you to update your account to do something with your account, which is
0: okay, it's fine. They don't ask anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, but that's that's usually the first step, right? So
4: they exactly that's, the thing. that's how they gain access.
0: Yeah. Now I know there's like a database on me. There's a record of of me on the dark web, and they're adding information as they're able to get it.
2: Probably, yeah. yeah.
4: So, uh, on a side note, that what you ate yesterday, that's not healthy for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, DJ, for your concern. But but
2: but that's a just a general guess. Hoping she <laughs> it it triggers something. <laughs>
4: So, uh, regarding trust, I think one of the other quick wins is to install some kind of a guest network in your, uh, in your home network. So everybody has guests, everybody wants to use your Wi-Fi, yeah. so it, it, using a guest network not only stops your guests from playing annoying music on your sound system, it also stops uh, attacks that are trying to spread from their devices.
3: I'm coming over to your house for your next party. I'm an expert at playing annoying music.
2: <laughs> but how, but how should that look like your guest network? Or would that just be a, a separate, uh, SSID called guest with a appreciate key or, uh, captive portal or something similar, What would be, but would be the rest, the best approach? something like
4: that so a lot of the isps nowadays they offer the option in in the modem or the router they provide you to also set up a guest network that's separate uh, separated from your main network and using a pre-shared key on your wireless is always a good idea because otherwise all the information across the network will be unencrypted and then next to that i use a captive portal that times out uh, after 12
0: hours
2: and then you need to re-sign in, or well, I've, I've got yeah. a similar thing. They they need to know my email address, and they need to uh, send an email.
0: Is that the main difference with like a guest network? Is that like you would be signed out of the network after twelve hours? Is there any other uh, benefit to doing that?
4: Yeah, so it's in a separate network from your main devices, okay. so it it would be isolated. So it's not. It's like are they're, they're not in the same room as you are.
0: Okay.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Because, uh, for example, uh, regarding as uh, uh, it does not trust, do not trust any, anyone. So when you share your, uh, when someone's enter in, your home your home, uh, and they would like to have the Wi-Fi password, that's it. Yeah. I think it's a common a common question. You just give it to them, right? Yes. And you, so you give them your password and you don't know what happens next. Maybe it's shared, maybe it's stolen, maybe it's written down somewhere. Uh, and then someone because Wi-Fi is not—it's—it's it's also i, I think you, your Wi-Fi will also be reachable on the street, right? So they do not have to be in your home to get access to your Wi-Fi.
0: You know what I'm also thinking is that like our Wi-Fi password is used in other things as well. That doesn't make sense. Actually, now that I'm thinking this through, like we should exactly. Making a that, <laughs>
1: no, that's that's
0: potentially make a note tricky. Of
1: that. Yes. Maybe use a complex password for your your home network because most of the people is using their like phone number or something like that. So if you know <laughs> the phone number, just pass by and then put your. Welcome <laughs> 2022. Phone yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> po- postal
4: code plus house number is also a great one. <laughs> it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm not sure it's if if it's that if the topic is really hot because I know a, a few years ago. Uh, uh, People are actually driving around in streets with a, a Wi-Fi antenna. War driving. Uh, yeah, war driving. Exactly. War driving to to, to gain access to uh, uh Wi Fi networks. Just to s- check what they can do.
4: Yeah, that's how that's how we used to gain access to the internet while we went on winter sports. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's 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 pretty easy. You've got just open source tools which help you out and you can gain access to almost everything.
4: Yeah, you just need about a gig of your data captured and then you can exactly. just decipher yeah. the password. Takes about 20 minutes.
2: Even, even on the WPA2 uh, or even the 3 standard? I think the 3 standard is more is, is way more easy, way more complex.
4: Yeah, but there's not many home devices that support the WPA3
2: yet. So
1: Okay, okay,
2: okay. I need to turn it on because
1: I already have it so I need to turn it on. So is it, uh, the more bigger than your network, the more devices that you use, is it more difficult to secure? It
4: depends on the devices you're using. So for example, I, I use a camera system around my home. I also triggered by the same event because they re- requested a new, uh, pin code and, uh, bank card for my business account which they were were obviously planning on picking up from my home. So uh, I now have a camera system that's all around my home. So you can't come near uh, about five meters from my home without being on camera. Uh, but they use cheap Chinese cameras and they phone home to a cloud servers in China all the time.
3: <laughs> Do they really? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
4: So it's easy enough to block on a next generation firewall. Sure. But-
3: so, so what what are you using as a as a firewall at your home?
4: At the moment, I'm using a pfSense. Okay, uh, but I'm in the process of migrating it to a brand that sh- should not be named on this podcast. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: <laughs> but uh, do do we require to to like I don't I not use it like for my personal home network. Do is it useful to have firewall in your house? You is it recommended?
2: Uh, I, I guess would. it is. Yeah. Yes. I guess it is, yeah. Because um, when you, for example, well, the, the main problem is most users just get a, uh, we call it a modem or uh, a, a really depending on what kind of connect- connectivity you have, is DSL or fiber or, I think I think that that, that those are the two main streams. You, you just get a firewall. Uh, but that's a, a common firewall because those equipment is, is just cheap. It's, uh, if you, most of the time, no control of on that device what happens uh, you no idea when the firmware is updated you know if what settings there are and most likely hardly any settings are turned on so they only doing uh, address translation and that's it and that's definitely not enough
3: but nat is the best firewall that's out there right
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah especially with upnp yeah that's right it just <laughs> works <laughs>
2: Exactly. So exactly. For, well, for people,
1: <laughs> for people who don't who don't know what NAT is, like listeners who don't know what mm-hmm. is, <laughs> I can see Emily. <laughs> well,
2: net net is a network address translation. Uh, we have a public IP address range and a private IP address range, and almost all uh, home users use a private range. Uh, something called uh, 192.168, uh, for example. That's a very commonly used range, uh, which is not. uh, routable on the internet so it needs to be translated to a ip address which is routable on the internet and that's what should modem is doing just translate it from one to the other and that's it
4: so basically it uh it's true that it doesn't allow a direct connection between the internet and the internal network but uh, for specific sessions it opens a random port on your router that goes out but is also accessible from outside back in so it's not a firewall. It doesn't do any inspection on the traffic.
1: Okay. So the so now the network, the home network becomes more expensive. So it's not like you're paying your ISP the bill every month that you need to buy your firewall. You need to update the security, which is like yearly or or um, or something like that. And then you need to have like managed devices and all these things. So the network becomes more expensive. So is it the question? Is is it that worth it uh, that you buy all these? Equipments? Well, I think, I think it, it, it depends, uh,
2: you mentioning it's cost money. I think that's, you're right about it. I think that's, that's uh, I think that's a, a pretty big one, uh, uh, and where you're not a network guy, uh, or have a, a extensive knowledge, uh, in, in networking, uh, being able to, or buy the right stuff or in go into open source, uh, equipment and know your way around it. I think that's, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty tough one to, to, uh, to figure out.
3: Wait, wait a minute. We're, we're all entrepreneurs here. We, we should be able to figure out this problem.
1: <laughs> well,
3: I think most of us already already have
2: solved it. Eh? For example, uh, firewalling in place. Uh, I've I'm, I'm based it on, on Meraki, uh, including the security pack, by the way. Uh, and is that is that f- foolproof? No, of course not. Uh, so you also need to add additional, uh, what we already discussed, uh, uh, countermeasures like uh, make sure you firewalling and make sure you anti-virus and malware detection. Uh, so it's it's a, So I think you should focus on what you can do. Uh, for example, uh, make sure your fire your, your firmware is up to date. Uh, make sure your uh, anti-virus and anti-malware is, is installed. Uh, I think those are very easy steps you can take to uh, to to enhance your security in your in your home environment.
4: And, and there's one more very important thing to security and that's, uh, making offsite backups. So ma- make sure that you copy all your important data, uh, offsite to a cloud service or something like that. So or you could just send
0: to it to me and I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it safe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but why, why should I care Hachan because a nest uh, in my home, uh, with some photos and no one can access this access. That one, I think
4: that's <laughs> what you're hoping. Exactly. So it's, uh, in case of emergency, like a, if some kind of ransomware enables within your network and locks everything, you, you don't have one or two bitcoins lying around to pay for that and get it decrypted.
2: Um, no 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 i was too late in that uh in that, <laughs> in that you in that used all your hype, bitcoins yeah. to buy a pizza 10 years ago <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> 10 years ago yeah something like
3: that but like like i mean so i i take a little bit different approach right in that so uh, you know i work for a cisco partner we have all the cisco licensing you know i had meraki full stack and meraki switches all that i ripped all of it out right and not because it didn't work it worked great but it was sort of like you know, from 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 our perspective, like I run this, like the the only thing that I focus on is do we have a really good antivirus, anti-malware client on the, the computers that are in our house? Right. And you know, for the stuff that I do for work is all off site and VPN, right? So that doesn't that's not really in scope. And then i use i mean i think the most important thing is i have like a a, a, a open dns that that i use you know mm-hmm. not the commercial version just the free version but a pie hole you know like a raspberry pi with a with an ad blocker on it just to keep the you know advertisements on you know whatever down but like i have really taken a totally different approach is that like like i don't trust any of it i mean i have a pre-shared key i don't care if you have it you guess it get it, but like there's nothing on there that anybody is ever going to get because It just the attack footprint is so small. So, you know, if you want to come over, I'll give you my pre-shared key. You're welcome to use my wireless forever. And at some point, like, but nothing is trusted there. And so, so I think that like for the standard home user, it's like if you can have a really good antivirus on your devices, that I think makes the difference. I think making, making, uh, like having a good password manager and not reusing passwords, that makes a huge difference. And then like just something to help speed bump you, from oops, I clicked on something like some DNS protection that you don't need to pay for. Like, I think that gets you most of the way there. I don't, I mean, at least that's the approach, but uh, I hope you guys don't book plane tickets to come half my network <laughs> and then prove me wrong. <laughs> now no, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna be embarrassed.
0: Make a blog about it.
4: Exactly. Yeah, we we don't need a plane ticket. We just tunnel brick to the WebEx session.
3: Yeah, exactly, you're oh, already wow. there. <laughs>
2: But that, but that's about um, getting access to your data, right? Uh, do you have a um, security cameras installed in your
3: in your house or outside or uh, only only managed one. So I have a Nest camera, but all of that, all of that, you know. And, and that's the other thing is like I don't have any on-premise NAS. We use you know Google or OneDrive. I don't have any you know I don't have any security cameras that are accessible locally. You know we so we, I have basically said. I don't have time to manage any of that stuff and patch it because I know like there's so much going on and my life is already everything's already a disaster it's like the last thing I need to do is patching Fridays or, or whatever it is. So it's it's like truly I mean I just depend so heavily on cloud services. Yeah.
2: But that that's that's an inter- interesting one because just just the what if? Uh what if one of your devices get infected by ransomware. Mhm. It will most definitely instantly uh, also get synced to your Google Drive. Mm-hmm. So Google Drive is encrypted as well. Everything instantly, and if it's synced to all your other devices, it's you're done. Yep.
0: Liam, one last question for you. What's your ID number?
3: One, <laughs>
0: two, <laughs> three. <No. laughs> No,
3: it's a a good question, but I also, like with OneDrive and Google Drive, you have the ability to rewind, right, in time to a point when that was not, you know, that, that it wasn't synced. So basically, you know, I've just sort of made the choice, like, if it happens, okay, I will deal with it by, you know, leveraging those tools. And, you know, probably could I be doing better? Absolutely. And would it make sense to maybe put your data in two places? Yes. Right. But I mean you know it's just it's 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 the trade-off and the compromise i mean i spent next to no time doing anything with it or managing it and it mostly runs on autopilot and so i'm pretty comfortable with that but you know i think could i do more probably you know would it probably be better sure i don't know but but that's basically
4: what you did is a zero trust approach to your right. home network yep it's like like we as a security as security people have been talking about for ages that we should do to business networks, but like, for me, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I like tinkering with stuff, and I have all this equipment in house.
3: Yes, yes, yes.
4: I don't trust clouds.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like. I think that is like totally good, and and and, but because it, it works for you, and that's the thing is, I think people need to pick the thing that works for them the best,
0: right? Okay, so so we're gonna have Liam and DJ write out some recommendations on home security, and depending on where our listeners are, they can choose the the simple route or the more complex route. I think that's that's what we'll do.
4: Yeah, we make a Cisco champion unfiltered validated design. Where all
2: <laughs> we do
3: go. is just <laughs> where all we do is just yell at each other.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, this was a really good conversation. I know I learned a finger too um to our listeners if you want to check out some use of re- resources and we promise it's not a phishing scheme click on the links below don't forget to subscribe or follow cisco champion radio on your favorite streaming platform uh, so you receive alerts when we release an episode i hope you all enjoyed today's conversation we'll see you next tuesday